You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome back once again to the Now You Know Show. So happy to have you here each and every week, cuddled up near the electronic fire, as it were, as we have our fun little talks, our jokes, our giggles, and some tunes along the way. Well, what a week, what a week it has been out there in the big, wide, woolly world. We have uh, some storms pass through Texas. Wasn't too terrible, but, you know, this is how we know spring is here in Texas. We don't really meddle with uh, old groundhogs or onion skins or the behavior of ants. We pretty much just look off into the distance and go, oh, yes, a tornado. Ah, spring. 
or, oh, look, quarter-sized hail. Ah, spring. Isn't it wonderful? But all are well and safe, and not too much damage was had this go-round, but we'll probably have 20 or 30 more before the end of summer when these sorts of storms Oh, start to disappear and waver out. Meanwhile, in the rest of the world, the American political, or I should say American presidential campaigning system uh, leaps to levels of disingenuity that I, I don't know if I can continue to watch and not fall over backwards and thumb at the mouth. I'm just going to leave it at that. Go out. Take a look yourself, have something soft behind you, a fainting couch, a mattress, a good friend uh, to catch you when, when finally you just go and just fall over from it and try to fall back towards the fainting couch or the mattress or your friend. Uh, also in the news, uh, our news here this week, I have gotten to see some of the early production work uh, done for the fantastic cover and interior art that's going into The Sporting Life, uh, uh, put together, assembled, cleaned up, made beautiful, and added to by that fine gentleman, Gray Townsend, who did the other two covers and interior art for my other two books. And I just got to say, it all looks so fantastic. And I just want to give a wonderful shout out to him, to Catherine Ironwood, my dear friend, uh, teacher, confidant, fellow traveler, editor, and publisher, uh, Nagashiva Ironwood, Michelle Jackson, and all the gang who have been helping out. You all are just golden. You are so valuable and so wonderful to me. Thank you so much for all your help and in helping make this be a fantastic book. And by the way, folks, if you would like a early-ish copy of that book, why not take yourself down to this year's ninth annual 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival in beautiful Forestville, California, where you'll be able to receive it and three other fantastic books by David Shee, a reprint from Catherine Ironwood, and an incredible, credible book from our own Reverend John St. Germain here on the LMC Radio Network. You'll be able to have lovely continental breakfast, southern-style lunches, have entertainment, see rituals, hear workshops, and learn and participate in them for two solid days. That's right, two solid days. I'm talking about May 14th and 15th, 2016, Forestville, California. You can go over to hoodooheritagefestival.com and check it out. Get your early tickets. They're cheaper for right now. Soon that will change. It may have already changed. Get in there now. Be there or be square because you will also, if you come, get to meet some fantastic and incredible workers and personalities, the likes of which you can't imagine, as well as almost, almost the whole host of hosts of the LMC radio network shows. I'm talking about Tata Candelo Canvisa. I'm talking about Reverend John St. Germain. I'm talking about Beverly Smith. 
Andrea Weston, myself, Catherine Ironwood, Nagashiva, our chief engineer here, and so many, many more. So do yourself a favor and get out to the ninth annual 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. You won't be disappointed that you did. Well, that's all my news, so now let's go to the official news as we go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom where our own Phil Patchy Fogg is standing by. Good evening. Today is Thursday, March 31st, the 91st day of 2016. There are 81 days until summer begins and 275 days left in the year. Tomorrow will be an auspicious day to cut hair to slow growth, mow to slow growth, castrate farm animals, dig post holes, harvest, wean, quit smoking, potty train, jar jams and jellies, wash wooden floors, paint, start a diet to lose weight, host a party, and kill plant pests. The first through the third will be an excellent time to kill weeds, briars, poison ivy, and other plant pests. The first through the third will also be good days for morning fishing. Today's highlight in history in honor of tomorrow we honor here on the LMC Radio Newsroom His Most August Majesty, Joshua Abraham Norton I, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico. Also on this date in 1889, French engineer Gustave Eiffel unfurled the French tricolor atop the Eiffel Tower officially marking its completion. In 1923, the first U.S. dance marathon held in New York City ended with Alma Cummings, who had danced with six consecutive male partners, setting a world record of 27 hours on her feet. In 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the Emergency Conservation Work Act, which created the Civilian Conservation Corps. In 1943, Oklahoma, the first musical play by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein II, opened on Broadway. In 1949, Newfoundland, now called Newfoundland and Labrador, entered Confederation as Canada's 10th province. In 1953, Stanley Kubrick's first feature film, film, a war drama titled Fear and Desire premiered in New York. In 1991, the Warsaw Pact was formally dissolved. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to actor William Daniels, who is 89, actor Richard Chamberlain, who is 82, actress Shirley John Jones is also 82, musician Herb Albert is 81, Actor Christopher Walken, 73. Comedian Gabe Kaplan is 72. Former Vice President of the United States Al Gore is 68. 
Author David Eisenhower is also 68. Actress Rhea Perlman is 68 as well. Rock musician Angus Young of ACDC is 61 today. Actor Mark McClure, 59. Actor William McNamara, 51. Actor Ewan McGregor, 45. And jazz musician Christian Scott, 33. And we also want to send out birthday greetings, although they are a little late, to air member Miss Melanie, whose birthday was on the 26th. Our thought for today comes from René Descartes, French philosopher, born this date in 1596, died in 1650, who said, An optimist may see a light where there is none, but why must the pessimist always run to blow it out? This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield, and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay, yeah. Put my trust in goof of dust. Cause you know some days may bring you a seven. Or oh, maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goofer dust or the right number of plates and forks and knives like the Nicholas Brothers because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. And before we get to them, I got to say, the boys in the newsroom, that was that was pretty sly. I I get it. I get it. I, I know what tomorrow is. I yeah. Hail Emperor Norton. I understand. Well played, gentlemen. Well played. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 15, 25, 37, 38, 42, and 48. Once again, those lucky numbers this week are 15, 25, 37, 38, 42, and 48. This is a second week for 38 to show up in our numbers, so be on the lookout for that 38. It is starting to run. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 151. That's 151. 222. That's 222. And 473. That's 473. The card of the week is the Three of Diamonds, a benefactor. This is a week in which to act honestly and responsibly when wishing aid or help from others. Others will be there to help you this week, so do not let pride keep you from taking the help others offer you. 
Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show each and every week to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, well, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, our own Miss Loretta Evans from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Give with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Try a tomato plate, too. Here's cacciatore, Dory. Taste the bologna, Tony. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hello, y'all. This is Miss Loretta here. I just love that new music. It was so nice of them to put it together for me. Bless their hearts. Tonight... I'm going to be giving you another family favorite, and I hope you all will like it as much as my family and I do. Our recipe for the evening is King Ranch Chicken Macaroni and Cheese. That's right, King Ranch Chicken Meats Mac and Cheese. For this recipe, you will need one half of a package about 16 ounces of Calentali or large elbow macaroni pasta, two tablespoons of butter, one medium onion diced, and I like to use a yellow onion, a sweet onion for this, one green bell pepper diced, one 10-ounce can of diced tomatoes and green chilies, one 8-ounce package of pasteurized prepared cheese product cubed, and quite frankly, I just use Velveeta, three cups chopped cooked chicken, one 10 and three fourths of an ounce can of cream of chicken soup, one half a cup sour cream, one teaspoon chili powder, one half a teaspoon ground cumin, one and one half cups of shredded cheddar cheese. It comes out to be about six ounces. Now, to prepare this, you will preheat your oven to 350 degrees and prepare your pasta according to the package directions. While that's going on, melt your butter in a large Dutch oven or very large solid cast iron skillet over medium heat. Add your onion and bell pepper and saute five minutes or until tender. Stir in your tomatoes and green chilies and prepared cheese products. Cook, stirring constantly. 
two minutes or so or until your cheese melts. But you've got to keep stirring it so that that cheese, that Velveeta, doesn't scorch or burn. Then you stir in your chicken, your cooked, chopped up chicken, and the cream of chicken soup, sour cream, chili powder, and cumin. Then add your hot cooked pasta and stir until blended. You can either spoon the mixture into a lightly greased 10-inch cast iron skillet or an 11 by 7-inch baking dish. Sprinkle with the shredded cheddar cheese on top and bake it in your preheated 350-degree oven for 25 to 30 minutes or until bubbly. And once you bring it out of the oven, let it cool and serve. It is delicious, and it is just a wonderful blend of that Texas favorite King Ranch casserole and, of course, macaroni and cheese. This has always been a big hit at our church gatherings, and I hope you will enjoy it as much as I have. Thanks so much for listening, and now we turn you over to Professor Porterfield. Thank you, Miss Loretta. I was trying to write that down. That sounded pretty good. I'm gonna. Can I get a Can I get a copy of that from you before you leave tonight? Because I want to give that to Christy. I want to try that because I like King Ranch casserole, and I like macaroni and cheese. So, what the hell? Let's try it. You know, let's do that. That sounds great. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, let's talk about. Sex. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up. Like a sex machine. Get on up. Get on up, get up, get on up, stay on the scene, get on up, I like a sex machine, get on up, wait a minute, shake your arm, then use your palm, stay on the scene, I like a sex machine, you got to have the feeling, shoot your bone, get it together, right on, right on, get up, get on up, get up, Get 
All right. This I swear I lock the door. I'm pretty sure he has a key. He showed it to me once. Anyway, I don't know how to get it away from him. I don't know if he's a friend of Johnny's cousin. We've got a lot of friends of Johnny's cousins around here. Yes. Back to the topic. Back to sex. Let me start off this way. Let me start off by saying something that I personally believe. This is a belief. This is an opinion. You know how I feel about beliefs and opinions versus facts, but I'm going to go there anyway. In the matter of sex, when you have people who are engaging in sex who have mutual consent, mutual consent, okay, what they do sexually together in privacy is none of your damn business. And none of my damn business. Now, right about now, there's people who will say, well, now, wait a minute. There's a whole other list you left out there, there, Professor Porterfield. Uh, uh, what about underage people? Well, you didn't mention underage people. Underage people cannot give consent. Therefore, they are covered. Well, now, wait a minute. What about animals? What about animals cannot give consent? What about necrophilia? You didn't mention ne- the dead cannot give consent. Okay. They cannot give consent. So consent covers underage people. It covers people who are under the influence of any kind of a substance, drugs, alcohol. It covers anyone who is being pressured, forced, tricked, brought into a situation by clandestine means. It covers the dead. It covers animals etc. And then the last thing I said in that was in privacy. So that covers, you know, the street corner, etc. Because you then become, even if you're not engaged, you become a participant and you have not given consent. So there we go. So let's cover the rule again. Here's Professor Porterfield's personal opinion rule. In the matters of sex, what happens between informed people giving consent mutually in privacy is none of your damn business and none of my damn business. Now, because of where I live, I can tell you that normally when you say something like this, there's some wag, normally with a bit of chaw in his mouth, who says, yeah, why don't they keep it on goddamn business? I wouldn't mind if I didn't have to see it. And they don't mean that they actually have to see people having sex. They've 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 moved the goalpost. What they're saying is, I don't want to see public displays of affection. I don't want to know that there are people who have sexual orientations, or who have tastes that are not mine. I want them to keep their mouths shut, disguise themselves, tend that they're like me, so I don't have to deal with it. 
Now that is what I call bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Listen, I'm so sorry that you got your precious feelings hurt that there are two men in love and they held hands in public. I'm so sorry that it hurts your special feelings that there are two women in love and they gave each other a little peck on the cheek, a little kiss, a little hug in public. I'm tough luck. Just just tough fucking luck. Okay? Too, too fucking bad for you. All right? Because they're not taking any consent away from you. They are not robbing you of anything. Well, they're robbing me of my goddamn comfort. Well, uh, so does the goddamn weather sometimes. Listen, man, I live in a country where I live with a whole host of people who disagree fundamentally with almost everything I believe in, politically, religiously, civically, ethically, morally. I live in a country in which there are starving homeless people on the street corners, and cities think it's a great idea to just, you know, shuffle them off. You know, oh, we'll just move them along, move them along. Which I mean, I guess that means we're one step better than certain South American countries where they round them up in the middle of the night and kill them. You know, but you, really, listen, pal, you're not here to have the entirety of this society be made in image of you. Okay? You're supposed to be a participant. There are gay and lesbian people. There are bisexual people. There are transgendered people, transsexual people. There are polyamorous people. The list goes on and on and on. And if they are engaging in whatever sexual behavior they are engaging in with mutual consent without, you know, having sex on a street corner, okay, then tough shit, okay? Hard luck for you. Now, why did I start with that? I started with that because whenever we talk about sex, it's important to say things like that. Otherwise, we're just speaking for a tiny select group of people. And I have no desire to come in here and talk about the issue of sex and sexuality as it intersects with hoodoo, conjure, and root work solely for, oh, let's say, married heterosexual people over the age of 43 who make between 60 and $75,000 a year. I don't that's not what that's not what this is for. That's not what this is about. Now, as the kid said before I sent him off and oh boy, I hope he's someplace else. What does this have to do with hoodoo? If you are going to practice hoodoo, if you're going to participate in hoodoo, if you're going to study hoodoo, if you're going to go into that room and say, this is the room I want to sit in, and this is the room I belong in, we have talked about a number of things that you damn well best get used to, okay? We've talked about race. We've talked about economics. We've talked about all sorts of things. And here's one more. I know, I know, you're getting tired that the list never ends, but hey, man, the list almost never ends. When the list ends... 
I'll shut the show down. You best be ready to get used frank and open, but not necessarily discourteous, discussions about sex and sexual relations. Particularly, particularly if you're interested in doing love work, doing work for partners, you know, to bring them together, to break them apart. Even, even if you're just going to do peaceful home. I mean, you better get used to the fact that sex is a vital part of hoodoo. Now, does that mean, oh, uh, sex magic in the sense of some sort of uh, Aleister Crowley, you know, and whatever, and the Gnostics, and we're gathering the semen because the semen is white and everything that's white is good, and therefore semen must be good, and we're, we're not gathering up tar because tar is black, and everything that's black is bad, and everything that's hot is good, and everything that's cold. No, 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 no. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what? No, no, I'm also not talking about uh, some sort of tantric thing. I am not, I'm not besmirching it, but I'm not saying it's certainly not a part of it. It's not a part of it. That's not what I mean either. I don't mean a tantric discipline where there's a particular way to have sex. That's not what I mean either. What I mean is that in hoodoo, first of all, we have personal concerns. Some people call them witnesses. And amongst those is such things as sexual fluids, vaginal fluids, semen, etc. Sometimes mixed, sometimes separately. And these are used in hoodoo. They're used to dress candles. They're used to dress certain things that go in a mojo bag. They're used to dress a mojo bag. They're used to dress items, petition papers, playing cards, you name it. Okay? They're used to draw people closer. They're used to bring people together. And they're used to be fed to people, disguised and fed to people in regular everyday food that you may have said a prayer over done something else too, but primarily they just go into food. Menstrual blood, vaginal fluid, semen. Okay, these are all used. There are disciplines that are discussed, such as masturbating while thinking about a lover who is far away or who has grown distant or has grown cold, calling out to them, as you achieve orgasm, bring them closer to you. Now, someone, uh, EF still, ask a question, and I'm about to come to it. I'm about to come to it. And then I'll answer the next question after that. EF still asked, the earlier discussion made them wonder to what extent are openly LGBT queer people accepted within hoodoo. Well, interesting that you should ask that while I'm pontificating. Because, baby, I got a whole book coming out here just in May that's got a whole big old section right in there about this issue and the history of this issue 
and spells to go with this issue. I would have to say that LGBTQ people have been more accepted within hoodoo and within the African-American community in the past, hang on every word, in the past than they were in the white community and in the non-hoodoo community, meaning, you know, whatever else community, like let's say Palo or, you know, whatever magical or religious practice, quote, community you want to say. Accepted in the sense that they were understood to exist and that they had different concerns, and by which I do not mean personal concerns, I mean concerns, and that there was spell work and products for them. That would be my answer. To answer the second question, which is, is this not sex magic? I would say, yes, of course it is a form of sexual magic, but I was trying to differentiate between that and the status of when we are having sex with each other in a highly ritualized way to bring about a third occurrence that not necessarily has anything to do with the sex, where it's used as a way to gather energy or power or whatever little you know place word is being used for that. So sex is in hoodoo. Sex is in hoodoo of all different kinds of sex is in hoodoo. And sexual fluids are in hoodoo. And bodily fluids that we often associate with being a part of sex are in hoodoo. And it goes further. Gay people are in hoodoo. Lesbian people are in hoodoo. Queer people, transsexual people, bisexual people are in hoodoo. And they always have been. If you think that's not true, well, just go and start reading. Just go and look it up. Go back to some of these sources that are more anthropologically based than, not, than say, magically based, and read what's being discussed, and read who's talking. And you will find that there is always a percentage of people from the LG community involved in hoodoo it's there you can't take it out now that's all well and nice and good and by the way seriously all of you interested in that well, I think will be fascinated by the sporting life and that's not me just doing some you know Vegas sell off hey buy my book kids no I'm serious it's you know normal stuff I do snatching wigs setting hats on fire you'll be interested but there's a further issue here. There's a further issue. Let's discuss now the sore spot, the rough edge. Let's discuss sex and the often not-so-single worker. What does he mean by that? What I mean by that is let's discuss sex and the hoodoo practitioner. And I do not here mean using sex, using sexual activity as part of a bit of work, a trick, spell work if you prefer. No, 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 no. 
We've talked about the Rambler, the Gambler. We've talked about the Joker. We've talked about all these different kinds of characters and how they play across the parade of our lives involved in this community. So here's one more. Here's one more. There are workers who disingenuously obtain sex from clients. Wow, that sounded like a kind of mealy-mouthed statement there, Professor Porterfield. Why didn't you just say it a little harsher? Because I meant what I said. They disingenuously do so. Now, why did I say that that way? Well, because we're all grown-ups. And if a worker and a client develop a relationship and end up having sex, once again, with mutual consent, that's none of our damn business. Who's to say that workers sometimes don't find their mates that way? It's not for us to pass a judgment on. It's certainly not for me to pass a judgment on. I'm talking about when it's done disingenuously. I'm talking about when there is an attempt to alter or subvert consent. Uh Uh-oh. Now we've got a problem. Because this is no different than anyone with authority using that authority to gain sexual content or sexual contact, I should say, from a follower, someone underneath their power, someone who is beholden to them to some extent. This is no different than... Well, you know, if you have sex with me, then you will be purified of all evils. And, of course, only women can be purified of such evils. I don't purify men at all. No, I'm just not into that. I don't swing that way. And so if you eat the diet of the brown rice for 42 days, then you will stop having your menses, which is a sign that your body has been cleansed of the evil influence. And then you and I will go together and we will join as one. And then uh, you will be purified. But from time to time, you might need to be repurified, particularly if you're attractive. Okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm also not talking about the minister who stands up and says, okay, the sin in this community is killing us. In this very church is filled with lust and corruption and sin so heavy you can smell it in this church. Meanwhile, he's winking at the organist, male or female. He's winking at the organist because we all know that they up to something. Not talking, you know, that's another example. That's no different. That's no different. It's no different than a police officer who says, oh, yeah, you know, uh, hey, you know, I mean, you were doing uh, 57 in a 55, and I can write you a ticket, but uh, <clears throat> maybe if you uh, <clears throat> make it worth my while, no different. I'm going to go further. Oh, yeah. The wig snatching and the hat burning is about to begin. This is no different 
then going, oh, no, honey, you seem, what, are you drunk, baby? Yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you someplace safe. You can, you can sleep on my couch. I'll, I'll take you home. I'll, you'll be okay with me. This is no different. He's about to go wild, folks. This is no different than those are related, associated, or have power over children getting sex from them through force and coercion. Now, wait a minute. How the hell can he say that? Children don't have the ability. Surely a work. No, bullshit. Person in power, person in power is taking advantage of relationship of power, of dichotomy of power against the lesser to obtain sex. It doesn't matter if it's the minister, the guru, the cop, or the adult abusing the child, or the magical or spiritual worker doing the same thing. And it happens. Wow, does it really happen that much more than you might want to believe? Enough that I'm talking the fuck about it. This isn't something that happens once in a while. This isn't, well, you know, every 52 years we have one worker who's kind of a horn dog. And uh, no, this happens regularly. And it happens in everybody's goddamn community. This happens in Christianity, both Protestant and Catholic. This happens in Judaism. This happens in Islam. This happens in Palo. This happens in Santeria. This happens in Hoodoo. This happens in paganism. This happens in Buddhism, I'm sure. This happens under the realm of being an Eastern philosophy. I'm not sure that they're actually really a tantric practitioner as much as they're using that word to establish the relationship of power. Okay? This happens across the goddamn board. And I'm going to tell you one other definition of it. I'm going to tell you what I personally feel this is. And you can write this down on a piece of paper and bring it to me and I'll sign it. Come to the 2016 uh, Hoodoo Heritage Festival and bring all of these together and, and I'll sign them. What this is, is this is a form of rape. Got it? Well, but the other person... No, 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 no. Rape. This is a form of rape. Someone used power over another to get sex from them. Often conniving lies. Oh, we're not having sex. I'm aiding your spirit. I'm aligning your chakras. I'm purifying you of A, B, or C. Oh, I, I'm initiating you. I, I'm bring, I'm making you a, you know, a, this. I'm doing a, that. I'm the vessel that contains, and I'm giving out to you. And here's a further statement. This happens by both genders. This happens by people who are female do this. People who are male do this. People who are straight do this. People who are gay do this. People who are bi do this. People who are lesbians do this. Every fucking buddy 
does this. Now, I don't mean everybody does this. I mean there's not a group. We can't just say, well, in terms of this sin, it's only whatever. Now, obviously, obviously, we've got a pretty big percentage of heterosexual men doing this over the other groups, but I'm sorry, I'm not willing to say, oh, well, I got the biggest component of them, so I can let the rest of them keep doing the bull. No, everybody. No, everybody that does this, you're on my list. And this is a form of rape. That's what it is. It's the use of power against another. (coughs) Now, again, let's be clear. I'm not talking about a consensual relationship. I am not talking about, well, there's some worker someplace, and uh, they're a hoodoo worker, and they make uh, mojos primarily. They're a talismonger, and that's primarily what they do. They make charms, and they make mojos, and they do that. They're not really in much anything else, and they have a client, and the client and them, you know, start making eyes at each other, and before you know it, they're off in a room banging. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the worker using their position of power, their spiritual connection to then coerce or gain from the client. Wow. Wait, it gets better. The flip side exists. There are clients who go to workers (coughs) who seek to have sex with them. All right. In other words, they they're kind of like I guess groupies, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. But they will call up workers and, you know, they want to they want to establish a little, you know, let oh, could you do some work for me? Could you do some let's get close. Let's get and the next thing you know, they want sex. Many of them will then use that as a way of pressuring the worker or keeping the worker held under their sway. The street goes both ways. That is a much rarer case. That is a much, much rarer case, but it happens. That's why my advice is this. Stop fucking your clients. It's just a bad idea. In fact, the minute you start fucking a client, make sure your client goes to another worker. Okay? If they need a worker for something. All right? Stop stop fucking y'all's clients. And y'all still taking money and... And, you know, doing whatever. First of all, it's kind of a weird relationship. Like, you you know, you're having sex with this person and then they're paying you for a candle. I mean, it's like it's kind of doesn't it normally go the other way around? You know, I mean, seriously, stop fucking y'all's clients. It's a bad move, which doesn't mean fall in love with a client. They fall in love with you. You enter into a relationship. But try to make some kind of goddamn, you know differentiation, some kind of division, first of all, for your own mental health, secondly, just in case shit goes bad, you know, just in case shit goes bad, because again, sex, sexual contact, and sexual body fluids are a major part of fucking hoodoo, and if you think you're such a clever root worker, well, you're having sex with this person now, you may end up tied up yourself, okay? You may end up getting tied down, putting somebody else's nation sack, you know, 
the cards under the bed, the drawers buried in the backyard. Okay, you ain't you ain't invulnerable. You ain't a, you know you're not like uh, oh I'm made of steel. Nothing can touch me. You know nothing can ever ever get to me. Really? Because that's the goddamn work you do. So you know, be careful with that shit. We have to address these issues. And part of the reason we have to address these issues is the growing power of a particular stripe of religious fundamentalism in America. First of all, there are people who don't want to talk about hoodoo at all for a whole plethora of reasons. Now, here's a component of hoodoo that people don't want to talk about either. It's not going to go away. It doesn't stop. Grown people have sex. Not everybody. Some people choose not to. That's their business. But sex is not an abnormal or strange, oh my God, I can't believe they had sex. People have sex all the time. People seek to have sex. Some people even believe that sex is one of the essential needs, you know, along with air and food and water. That, that that level of intimacy is also needed to be healthy, okay? Sex is not going to go away. We cannot have a clean community when it comes to this issue if we're not willing to discuss this issue and to discuss it frankly and to discuss it like grown-ups, like grown-ups, Okay? Now, I know some of y'all. I know. I've been keeping my ear to the ground and keeping my eyes open. And I know there are some of you all who listen to workers who talk on radio shows, who give classes, who write books, who lecture in public, who don't blink an eye, who don't blink a goddamn eye when that worker says, goddamn, son of a bitch, asshole. We're going to curse the shit out of so-and-so. We're going to go to the graveyard. We're going to make goofer powder. We're going we're gonna to kill. You don't blink. You just, you just sitting there with your pencil and your pad, scribble, scribble, scribble. Okay, what is that? So how much graveyard dirt to how much uh, uh, iron, iron filings from the anvil to how many dead insects? What is that ratio again? And you just go and you put. But the minute that worker who broadcasts or writes or lectures or appears publicly says, whether they're male or female, says, get a little bit of your pussy juice, honey, and put it on a candle, a red candle. And when you know he's asleep and you're laid back, it's like in church, you've fallen out. You're like, oh, no, no, I can't believe you. Oh, no, no, no. I can't believe they said that. Get a little, get a little bit of his cum, okay, and get that on a on a string, and tie a knot in that string. Get that string about as big as his cock is, and you lose it. You're like, I got, blah, 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 like, yeah, oh no, 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 no. You run around like in a circle, like children, okay. But you were fine. You were fine ten minutes ago when they were telling you how to make goofer dust. You were like writing that shit down, like, oh yeah, I might need some goofer dust. I might need to kill a motherfucker. I got I to gotta have that information. But the minute they start talking about the pussy juice and the cum and the string, the length of the dick and the string, the depth of the pussy, you were out the door. Welcome to 
fucking America. Welcome to America, where on television you can have shows, you know, without much warning of people having bullets fly into them, being cut apart by ninja blades, a samurai sword, people being torn apart by horses, and, well, you know, this is a family show, it's teaching uh, athletes, see, he was a thief, and they cut his hand off, and it teaches the kids, but, oh, two people naked in a bathtub? Oh, my God! Oh, my God. Quick, hide the children. Get them the hell. Oh, my God. I can't believe they, the destruction of the family value, the fall of the, all the civilization crumbling. I've been watching. I've been listening. Some of y'all are fine with violence. But you ain't okay with sex. You ain't okay with love. You're not okay with two people. You're not, you're not okay with a natural thing. That happens between two or more people, you know, and, and a twister board and a bottle of baby oil. You're not okay with that. You're not. You're not. You're not cool. You're not down with that. You get, and it's not just because of embarrassment. I will admit, some of y'all are a little embarrassed. Okay, well that's forgivable. I mean, you just embarrassed. You'll get used to it. It's fine. Anyway. I'm talking about no. Some of y'all are goddamn hypocrites. It's not that you're embarrassed. It's that y'all. Oh, why do we have to talk about that bullshit? Really? Like you were fine when we were talking about hot foot powder and goofer dust and laying sneaky tricks and getting people's hair to give them migraines and make them go crazy and putting snakes in people and spiders in people. You you were fine. Like you didn't stand up and walk out. You didn't throw the book down. You just kept reading. But now all of a sudden a little pussy juice on a candle oh world ends. It's a part of the goddamn work. It's as old as the hills. It's been done, and it will keep being done, so you might as well get used to it. And you might want to examine your own sensibilities where you're all right with force, coercion, and violence, but you're not okay with consent and sexuality and love. You might really, really want to think about that for oh. Let's say a minimum of an hour. Now, because of this, there are some, well, there's only one word for it, creepy. Creepy. Creepy-ass bullshit scams that happen inside our community that I've never heard of happening in other communities. Oh, other communities have their creepy shit, too. But this, this is kind of ours. I know of a worker whose name will remain unspoken for now, who had female clients, who he, heterosexual he, taught to anoint candles with their sexual fluids, with their pussy juice. All right? And he did it, suggested they do it, in a way that others have suggested, which is that they masturbate themselves with the candle and they think of whatever while they're orgasming, etc. Except, rather than doing what he should have done, which was say, now, when you finish with that, take that candle, go put it on a saucer that's turned over the picture of your lover or whoever, whatever you want to manifest, and light it, okay? And I'm just teaching you, this is how you do it at home, baby. All right, and you might want to do it on this day. You might want to do it at this hour. No, 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 no. Then he said, 
Then take that candle and wrap that candle up in saran wrap or tin foil and put it in an envelope and mail it to me. And I see the works taken care of. Really? Okay. Let's just stop the bus and pull over to the side here, and there's a little refreshment stand here. You can get Orange Julius's and Grape Aid there. Uh, they have Grape Knee High, and I think they have crackers. While I get into this bullshit, let's break this the fuck down. True story, break it the fuck down. A. Wow. Well, partner. First of all, you just kind of crossed the line into a weird Japanese vending machine on the side of the street that sells used women's panties, kinky ass, fucking something there. That's A. <laughs> but we'll just put that right here in the A bench, on the A bench, because we're going all the way to the W, the group W bench on this one. B, why do you need the candle? Why, why do you need the candle? Why can't they light the candle? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with the candle? What are you going to do with the candle that they, they need to be sending you the candle? Subset B1. Really, ladies? See, here's what happened. This person, heterosexual he, used his power, his authority, his supposed knowledge to convince you to send him his, his, to send him your sexual fluid on a candle. Not lit, not done, just he has your pussy juice now. He has your pussy juice on a candle that you masturbated with to orgasm and then sent it to him. Okay, I would just like to take a moment and say if there are any billionaires listening to the Now You Know show and you would like to send me clippings of your hair and nails along with a business card, please send those to Professor Porterfield, care of Professor Porterfield. I mean, are you serious? Are you serious? This person just used his power, expertise, authority, you know, his shit to, to get these women in trust of his power, of his knowledge, to send them candles that they had masturbated with and still had their sexual fluids on them. Because it was all going to work out. They were going to get whatever they wanted. And this guy was a notorious kind of ladies' man. You know what I mean? He always had a kind of bevy of doves around him. Wonder how. Wonder how that worked out, huh? True story. True story. Now, why am I telling it to you? To be shocking? Shocking! No. I'm telling it to you to show you that this shit happens. That is just one way. That is just one way that a conjure worker can use their authority use their authority to coerce, to remove consent, to essentially rape, to get someone else under, no, no, to get what they want. See what I'm talking about now? This goes on and on and on and on. Because you must have trust 
between the worker and the client. You must have trust. Listen, I'm a professional worker. People send me underwear. I'm dead serious. I didn't ask for it. They just, I say, well, do you have any personal concerns? They, that, you know, for this person, we're going to do whatever. They, oh, yeah, I got a pair of his old drawers. Oh, yeah, I got a pair of her panties. Okay, they send me little bits of cloth. Yeah, I got a work shirt. Yeah, I got hair. Yeah, I got fingernail clippings. Yeah, I've got menstrual blood, whatever. And they send it to me. They send it to me. This is not a rare and unique and strange thing. It's that there must be trust. Don't you see what I'm talking about? Don't you see what I mean right here? If you don't have trust with your worker, if your worker's using you, now you're giving them the stuff to use on you. What if there's this pretty girl you want to date and you got something of hers, business card, something, you send it to your worker and the worker decides, oh, well, we'll I'm local. Gosh, she's awful pretty. I want her for myself. And instead they do. You see what I'm saying? There must be an ethical bound. And that ethical bound is not, I simply will not discuss or touch or deal with anything sexual at all. That's not an ethical bound. That's like going and hiding in a room because you don't like the color of the paint in the other room. The ethical bound is to be ethical. To be held by your word, to not be a conniving, lying, duplicitous, sleazy fuck who manipulates your goddamn clients for your sexual gratification. The same way it is, you know, well, maybe we should just not let any uh, uh, priests near children. Well, wait a minute, that's not a solution. The solution is that we need to be doing something about these priests, punishing them, checking them out, making sure that it's not covered up, making sure that there are second and third guards on this so they're not all alone. The same thing we do with kids everywhere. Not, well, just for it. See, you can't just remove it. You can't just say, well, we'll just not even deal with it at all. What sort of puritanical claptrap is that? If we all stopped having sex... There would be no more sexual abuse. <laughs> Want to bet? You're going to try that one. You're going to try about that. Try that one and see how it works out. We have got to have boundaries, and we have to demand them. We have to demand them of ourselves. We have to demand them of each other. And we have to demand them of our community across the line. Okay? And I am not saying, by the way, in case there was confusion, I am not saying that it is puritanical to the violations that others are doing. That's not what I'm saying. It's wrong and it's disingenuous and it's evil is what that is. What I'm saying is the idea that somehow we can address the problems like that by simply removing any possibility at any time of anyone, anywhere, ever having sex without a highly monitored system, etc., etc., etc. 
That's what I'm saying. If we all play pretend like sex doesn't happen, then the problem will go away. No, the problem will get worse. We have to have safeguards, primarily for children. Now, luckily, we don't have too much of that, at least that I'm aware of, inside the Hoodoo and Rohingya community. It's just not something that happens with us because we have a different set of societal standards and we have a different set of interaction between individuals. There aren't a lot of root doctors being left alone with children on a regular basis. If there were, I'm sure we would start seeing that problem. Because again, design flaw. So sex is a part of our lives. It is a part of our culture. And it is a part of our work. Our spiritual and magical work. We must be willing to discuss it openly and frankly. We must be willing to discuss it calmly and rationally and in an adult-like fashion. And we must be willing to demand and address the abuses abuses of it from those not only in our community, but those in our society. We must stop doing this. We've got to do this. We live in a culture where almost every woman you'll ever know in your life has been raped at least once. Holy shit. And life just goes on. No. We have to stop that. And the first way we need to stop that is by blaming victims. Well, Surely you were old enough. Surely you were what? Well, why did you drink? So, well, how were you dressed? Well, why did you go? Well, why didn't you A, B? Well, didn't you orgasm? Well, I, well, how, why was it that you were in the neighborhood? Well, didn't you have your car? Weren't you asking for it? No. No, they weren't. No, they fucking weren't. And until we grow the hell up and rid ourselves of this wicked and despicable belief because we don't say it to anybody else oh no we fucking do not we don't say it to anybody else we don't say we don't say it to anyone else we don't say well now um are you hold on now quit groaning the ambulance is on the way here now i see you got uh, how many bullet holes have you got in you there three i see well what were you doing in this neighborhood well what were you now, you know the way you're dressed it kind of looks like you kind of wanted to get shot if you ask me i mean you're an adult you could have asked them not to shoot you i mean did you really run hard enough you know, when they pulled out the gun, I mean, you know, we've talked to some of the people here, and they say you kind of froze. I mean, it kind of sounds to me like you kind of wanted to get shot. We don't say that. We don't do that. Okay? Oh, interestingly enough, we do do it to certain people when they get murdered. We do get it, do it to some Well, people living that lifestyle. Well, people like that. Of course they're going to end up like this. 
See, this is a much deeper issue. The roots and tendrils of this reach into some of the darkest and most sick and miserable places of our culture and our cultural consciousness. But we are the gardeners. We have the rakes and the hoes and the shovels, and we can go in and we can clean this out. We can do it. First we start with ourselves, and then we demand it of other people. And we can do this. We can prune back these briars. We can do this so that, A, the sexual abuse inside our community stops, the sexual abuse by workers to clients stops, the sexual manipulation from clients to workers stops, and the pearl-clutching, play-pretend, puritanical, wishes-were-horses-beggars-would-ride, mealy-mouthed, let's just not even talk about sexual work and work that has a sexual component to it so that we can have and be educated about this part of our work and our practice and the culture and the context in which it exists so that we can be better workers and better clients. We can do all of that, but we have to do it. No I can do it. It has to be a we. It's not an I problem. It's a we problem. And together we can do that. And we can get from a place where we have sexual problems and sexual troubles to a place where we have sexual healing.
here this year at the 2016 Hoodoo Spelling Bee is the Grand Mufti of Satanism, Troll Towelhead. That's right, folks. Troll Towelhead got the cookie on that one. That was Marvin Gaye with Sexual Healing. And you know, he was just trying both Troll Talhead and Marvin Gaye to do what all of us are trying to do here on the LMC Radio Network. Just trying to send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe bringing news Information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. and magic and other witchcraft 
traditions. <laughs> That's the Lucky Ball Joe Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You should go there and visit them in person. Bring your children, your sweet, innocent little children, to see the trains as they go around and around and around and around, leading you deeper and deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep until all you can hear is the sound of my voice reaching out into your mind, speaking to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. While there, you can see the world's smallest church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and go inside and take a few moments of quiet meditation and prayer before going on inside the Lucky Mojo Curio Company and browsing the idols to see thousands upon thousands of items from all over the world. But if you cannot get there in person, do not be afraid because you can visit them online at www.luckymojo.com and sit in the quiet secluded safety of your own home beneath the bust of palace looking through the hundreds of pages of their online catalog where at www.luckymojo.com and at 6632 Covey Road Forestville California oh my friends when you go tell them Count Goulash sent you Right, every week. You know, it's just no, there's no way to follow that. There's no way to follow that. It's just, it's just there, and you just have to, you just have to go on with yourself. Up next, a little something we like to call. And you. That's right, Divination and You. This week we'll be finishing up our segment about reading with cards. We're going to talk about a merger. Oh yes, we're going to talk about the Lenormand cards. We're going to talk about all of them too. We're going to talk about all of them. The Hunter, the Rider, all of them. And, and, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the how they relate to their playing card, you know, whether it's the ace of this or the six of that. I mean, we're going to talk about all of it. We're not just going to talk about the Jack of Diamonds. Jack of Diamonds! Jack of Diamonds! Jack of Diamonds! Jack of Diamonds, what's in time? Jack of Diamonds is a 
as we have them now, have the same card numbering, symbols, and associations as the cards in the, uh, well, I shouldn't say the, as in Das Spiel der Hoffnung game. So this became a very popular deck to read with uh, for divination. A lot of it originally um, on the reputation of Madame Lenormand herself. And sometimes when we come to this, people say, what has it got to do with hoodoo? Well, what it has to do with hoodoo is that there are, particularly nowadays, quite a lot of people who use and enjoy the Lenormand card. Now, the other thing you should know is that the German Petit Lenormand cards were based around the 36 Paquette deck. So these cards have an interesting sort of meeting place. Here we still have the original playing card. It's been reduced. It's in a smaller size. It's in a little inset on the individual card. So you will pick up a Lenormand card, let's say as an example, Jack of Diamonds. And there will actually be the little Jack of Diamonds on the card, but then there will be a larger illustration. And in this case, I would be mentioning the, the scythe. So here we have a picture. It is of something domestic or natural. We have a sun, clover, birds, key, mice, a lady, a child, a lily, a bear, a fox, a mountain, the moon, trees, and they have these lovely little imagery pictures. Now, and then to up in one corner, they will have an inset of an action of the original card. Now, these images are not quite as stylized, nor have they become quite as codified as the tarot imagery, meaning you can find dozens upon dozens of Lenormand decks, and they will have different art, artist interpretation of what, like, what that tree looks like or what those mice are doing. And sometimes those mice are nibbling at something. Sometimes they're, there's a bit of whimsy, and they're standing on their hind legs, dancing together, whatever. But still that imagery is there. So the Lenormand sort of have become like a meeting place between our playing card readings and our tarot card readings. And then they themselves have given rise to oracle style cards where you just have an image and those images depend on what oracle deck you're reading. And there's really, you know, not a lot of agreement between them. It's just every oracle deck can be very different. Uh, they just have this, oh, you know, oh, look, there's a couple. Oh, look, there's a, a postman, you know, and he means this or they mean that. Or, oh, there's a car. The Lenormand cards are particularly fascinating because they do meet these two worlds together. And also because their imagery is not meant to necessarily depict an overall or larger story, meaning that the tarot cards can stand by themselves outside of you doing a reading with them, a sequential set of storyboards. 
almost like a, a cartoon bubbles, if you will, or cartoon panels, I should say. One and then the next and the next as we follow the progression of particular people down particular roads, particular paths, doing particular activities to their gain, to their harm, to their fall and rise, to their rise and fall, etc. The Lenormand cards are different. Their imagery is much more immediate and meant to be make a more immediate impression upon you, not unlike flashcards. Boom, the mice, the key, the rider, the mountain. And then they have an interpretation to it. Also, the Lenormand cards are frequently read, at least privately, in much larger, much larger layout formats than you see with tarot cards. And you very rarely see, but you do see some occurrence of it, with playing cards. And one of those would be the grand tableau, or the great table, the big table. And this is where you're ending up pretty much laying out all of the Lenormand cards in a very large square or rectangular like pattern and you're reading the interaction between all of them up and down and side to side diagonally etc and many people have become very comfortable with the Lenormand cards because they bring both of these worlds together they have an imagery that is immediate that can be used as part of a story or does evoke other images in the mind or meanings in the mind from a cultural basis about mice, as an example, um, or about foxes or snakes or whips or clouds or anchors, all of these being Lenormand cards. And yet they also have the more set meaning, the less evocative, but perhaps, how should we put it, more informational inset of the individual playing card, that it is a seven, that it is diamonds, that diamonds relates to this, that the seven relates to that. And what's interesting here is I would have to say that the imagery is divorced from that. Meaning, in Tarot, the imagery of the Tarot and the informational basis of a card, whether it's pentacles or swords and whatever it's number in, relate together. The two of pentacles is being used as part of a balancing act. Okay, so it tells you immediately about the relationship of the two. The nine of swords, the seven of swords, the image and the meaning go together. Whereas the Lenormand deck has a tendency to have a multi-layered set of meanings. We have this informational level, and then we have this imagery level, and they can all be read together. Strangely enough, certain people adopted the practice of reading Lenormand cards mixed with other cards, like tarot cards or playing cards. I'm not sure quite why you would mix them with playing cards, because they already have playing cards, but because it was originally from only a 36 deck, you might want the other to make up your 52. But the meanings and depth of Lenormand continue to fascinate people. And I have to tell you that most of the Lenormand readings I have received or seen done have been pretty damn good readings. I will say this about the Lenormand cards, and it is my only eh, professorial 
little bit of A-type personality bother. They've got nothing the fuck to do with Madame Lenormand. Okay? It's just, you know, it's like if someday in the distant future people were reading a system of ball bearings that had little markings on them and you had to roll them around and get them in little holes and if their colored side came up or a number side came up, whatever, and they called it the 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 Porterfield ball system. You know, it's got nothing to do with me. Okay? Um, but they are very popular and you will see them quite a bit and I will say that there is a little bit of bias. And that bias has been that for a very long time, and again, I think this is, again, an opinion, uh, exists is because of Madame Lenormand, is that there is a sort of a cultural reputation that primarily women read Lenormand cards. It's not true at all. Lots of men read Lenormand cards. But there is a cultural image that it's a more feminine form of divination and that it is taken to better by women and that women are better Lenormand readers. It's 10 pounds of hogwash in a five pound bag, but now you know. I hope you'll take some time this week to check out the Lenormand cards and see what you think about them and if they interest you as well. Our information for the Divination and You segment comes to us this week from a deck of spells, Hoodoo Playing Card Magic in Rootwork and Conjure, by myself, and information from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers. Why not check out the site? And we thank them for its inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen and we're going to be talking about poppies. This week, special musical challenge. Special musical challenge. Not only can you guess the artist and the song, can you tell me why we're playing it? There'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover tomorrow. Just you wait and see. There'll be The shepherd will tend his sheep, the valley will bloom again, and Jimmy will go to sleep in his own little room again. There'll be blue birds. 
Dover Tomorrow Just you wait and see The shepherd will tend his sheep The valley will bloom again And Jimmy will go to sleep In his own little room again There'll be bluebirds over The white cliffs of Dover Just you wait and see. All right, that was indeed and without question, Vera Lynn with Bluebirds Over the White Cliffs of Dover. Very good. Catherine Ironward gets the first cookie on that one. She also gets a special cookie all her own, which we are going to entitle the Inventiveness Cookie. So this is a special Inventiveness Cookie because, no, that wasn't the reason, but man, that's a really good reason. You know, the Lenny Bruce connection. That's very well played but not the special answer. So you don't get the special answer cookie. The special answer cookie was that Paperver roheus, the red-flowered corn poppy, a common weed in Europe found in fallow locations, particularly Flanders and grave sites, is the poppy of wartime remembrance. And that relates to Vera Lynn and the White Cliffs of Dover. Poppy flowers are brought used in hoodoo to bring good luck in love, in health matters, and in money. And they primarily do this through the sending of a powerful vision through dreams. What a... What a weird dink! Isn't that strange? Poppies sending dreams? How odd. How, how, how bizarre. Why would poppies send dreams? Well, because poppy seeds contain small quantities of morphine and codeine. And in fact, as far back as ancient Egypt, doctors would have their patients eat poppy seeds from a poppy to relieve pain. Both morphine and codeine are pain-relieving drugs, obviously still used today, and poppy seeds and fix oils can also be a non-narcotic because when they are harvested, the morphine practically disappears from the seed 20 days after the flower has opened. There are many different types, or I should say groupings or species of poppies, including the California poppy, which popular myth and legend will tell you does not and cannot give forth morphine or codeine. This is, of course, a lie. All poppies can. However, the 
brilliant skullduggery uh, involved and the botanical California society, etc., has gotten almost everyone in the country, and particularly in California, to believe that for some magical and strange reason, California poppies just don't have morphine and codeine in them. They do. And the influence of morphine and codeine can bring on profound sleep and intense dreams. So how interesting that poppies are used for this in hoodoo. It must be a coincidence. Poppy seeds themselves, poppy seeds themselves, on the other hand, Miss Cat's going to make me laugh, and I'm not going to be able to do this. Poppy seeds themselves, on the other hand, are used to cause confusion. So let's talk about quickly about a few uses for poppies. To dream lucky, particularly for games of chance, and you need to dream about luck to gain luck or even to maybe acquire numbers. You can use poppies or poppy seeds. People in love claim that a psychic dream can lead to better love. Gamblers believe that a lucky dream can lead to better gambling. And others believe that healing can occur through dreams. Because of all this, you can place a flannel bag filled with poppy flowers beneath your pillow when going to sleep in the belief that breathing the fragrance of these flowers, what flowers is that? Poppies, 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 <laughs> will cause you to dream of winning numbers or your future mate or to see things that will come to pass or to receive healing for a disorder that you have via the dream. Poppy seed can also be used to slow down and confuse court case opponents. And it's been used, this is a traditional old use of poppy seeds. And what it does is these poppy seeds create confusion in legal and court matters and help to delay paperwork involving that. To do this, you would mix poppy seed, celandine herb, and calendula flowers with inflammatory confusion oil and rub the mixture on a brown candle which has been inscribed with the names of the persons whose testimony or paper filing or similar evidence giving that needs to be confused. And this will bring about confusion. So long as the candle burns, they say this will happen. And you can pray over that candle, a prayer of domination, and prevail in these legal matters. You can also use poppies to confuse court proceedings. You can do this by using poppy seeds very much in the way that you would use black mustard seed to disrupt the activities of a court, particularly of troublesome people in that court. Therefore, if you have been arrested and face a trial, it is said that if you carry a mixture of black mustard seed and poppy seeds together when going into court, disruptive confusion will arise among the prosecution lawyers, the witnesses, the police giving evidence, etc., and you will go through free or receive a lighter sentence. So, here we can see the use of poppies, and what's interesting is poppies are ancient, very, very ancient. They go back to Egypt and before. And here 
we see something a little new in the kitchen. Here we see a plant that is highly recognizable and has been used in a variety of different cultures for similar uses, pain relief, sleep, vision-inducing, etc. And therefore, because of it, under the influence of it, one's mind can become addled and confused. And this is the exact usage we see of it magically, non-medicinally. We're not saying eat these poppy seeds. We're not saying grind them up and boil them and, you know, you have a walk and there are people in their underwear in your kitchen so they don't steal. No. We're talking about the magical use of these poppy seeds to produce similarly related conditions. And that is a very important thing when you come to look at poppies and to consider them and to then start considering that of other materials, other herbs, curios, plants, flowers, roots, and animal parts that are used in our practice of hoodoo, root work, and conjuration, that these lines can cross back and forth, that a magical use can come from a medicinal use. A medicinal use may come from a magical use. And therefore, this is where I will encourage you, as I have before, you need to start studying your herbology in kind with your study of your magical herbology. It's all well and good to have a fine and fit magical herbology, but you should also have some medicinal knowledge as well. It's all well and good to be an exemplary and professional herbologist, but you should understand the magical implications of your plants as well. And so this week, I would like you to go out, study a little bit about poppies and their histories, Watch that part of The Wizard of Oz and consider them and then consider this crossover. Consider how these two factors interrelate. That's what I want you to do this week. Consider medicinal use becomes magical use and magical use becomes medicinal use and how that can take place. And I want you to consider that because soon on this show, we're going to be talking about Poisons that aren't necessarily poisons. So this is your preparation for it. Our information for the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from the fantastic book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, A Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her so very much for its inclusion in the show each and every week. And if you don't have that book yet, Sucker, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're tying your own hands. Go and get it. You need it. You'll love it. Well, I'd like to stay, but I know I'm smelling something from the break room, and it smells exactly like King Ranch casserole and macaroni and cheese, so I'm going to go get me a plate full. This is it, friends. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end, uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Uh, 
and go to Texarkana and don't fight the food west. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong, Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details